0: Hello everyone, this is Scott Rochelle and this is the Betting Bay Area Podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. The Bay Area is the number one sports podcast network, the only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams, do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And you can find me personally at Richelle Radio on Twitter. Now, in this week's show, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. We're going to briefly recap the Super Bowl, and then we're going to start our transition to the start of the XFL, and we'll look to provide all of you with important information and statistics that can help all of you make some money betting on the LA Wildcats. So, without further ado, we're going to start with the unfortunate ending to the NFL season for the 49ers. They ended up losing in the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs by the score of 31-20. So, I'll just do some brief notes about the game, brief thoughts, maybe a hot take or two but other than that, um, the game itself came down to pretty much Jimmy Garoppolo's inability to uh, complete passes in the fourth quarter. He had a couple of opportunities. He missed Sanders deep on that potential go ahead touchdown late in the game. He also just didn't see Kittle wide open over the middle of the field on that third and five. But overall, I placed the majority of the blame on Coach Shanahan. And if I had to break it down into percentages, I would probably put 85% of the blame on him. First of all, after Mostert ran for 200, I'm going to go in order for all the issues I had with Shanahan's play calling. And I'm going to start out with the start of the game with Raheem Mostert, who had over 200 yards rushing and four rushing touchdowns in the NFC title game. And yet, Tevin Coleman got the start, and Mostert had zero carries in the entire first quarter. That made absolutely no sense to me. I've mentioned before how Coleman should have a decent role, but Mostert is by far the most talented running back on the entire roster, and yet he got no touches in the first quarter, which I thought made absolutely no sense. Then you add the transition over to the end of the first half, in which Shanahan and uh, Andy Reid both just didn't really know what they were doing over the last two minutes. 49ers could have called timeout, potentially saved 40 seconds, decided to try to waste the clock. The Kansas City tried to call timeout. 49ers moved the chains. They ended up having a huge completion to George Kittle, called off from an offensive passing interference. But I'm not really sure what the game plan was there for Shanahan. Uh, I know you could take it into the half in a tie game, but you have ball at the half, and you have a chance to potentially get a field goal before half to give yourself a three-point lead. I, I just found the last minute and a half just really confusing from a time management perspective. Didn't help that the general manager, John Lynch, was trying to signal for a timeout from the booth, which kind of just shows what he was thinking in comparison to what Shannon was thinking. I don't really know why Shannon would try to keep those timeouts. Shannon would, I guess, decided to keep all three timeouts for the second half, which doesn't do anything, so I don't really know what he was doing there. But either or, that wasn't as bad as the play calling in the fourth quarter. The 49ers ended up going up by 10 points in the third, ended up intercepting Mahomes when it looked like the Chiefs were getting ready to put some points on the board, and then the 49ers go three and out. Then the Chiefs score a touchdown, and then the 49ers go three and out again. And the main reason why was because of the fact that the second time, the main issue I had in terms of play calling came on that 20-17 second and five was the main issue for me. Mostert ends up getting a decent amount of touches in the second half, and he ends up taking the first carry for five yards. 49ers are averaging roughly six some, six yards a carry, a little bit more, and yet the 49ers decide to throw the ball on second and third down I don't really understand what the logic was there. Ended up getting swatted down, and then you ended up having the incompletion where he missed Kittle over the middle, and then they ended up having to punt, and the Chiefs got the ball back. I just don't really know why you wouldn't keep running the ball. All you had to do was you were in milk clock mode, and you had the lead, and yet you decided, after only attempting eight passes against the Packers in the game two weeks ago, you decided to trust Garoppolo, and that was definitely not the greatest decision in the world by Shannon. Um, I mean, Chenin, even though he's a very solid coach, he is responsible for two of the biggest choke jobs in the history of the Super Bowl, and he'll get, have to live that down unless he's able to win one, because that is right now his legacy as probably being one of the bigger chokers in the history of the NFL. Just based, I know it's a small sample size, but if you compare the two losses in the Super Bowl with the Falcons to the Patriots as well as this year's one, those are two of the all-time choke jobs in the Super Bowl history and he'll look to potentially overcome that, but you cannot get an outscore 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. That is something that you can't do, especially against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and for that reason, the 49ers ended up losing out on get lifting another Lombardi trophy, but uh, they're still very talented, still have a lot of talent on the overall roster, and these amount of young guys as well with Bosa and some of the other young core, so they should be able to potentially get back to the Super Bowl in, a cup, in the next couple of years. But now that the NFL is finally over, football is not officially done, as the XFL will be starting this weekend, specifically on Saturday, and we're going to be talking about one of the local teams here with the Los Angeles Wildcats. They will be making their franchise debut. Now before we talk about their matchup in Week 1, it is worth mentioning that according to FanDuel, the Wildcats are plus 650 to win the championship, which is middle of the pack in terms of their odds um, still pretty much a long shot, but you don't really know what's going to happen in this league, so there is definitely a chance that they could shock some people and get a uh, championship. But for Week 1, they will be playing the Houston Roughnecks on the road, and that will be taking place on Saturday afternoon. The spread for this game is Los Angeles plus 5.5, and, and the total does not actually exist. The main reason why the total is not a thing is because of the fact that the XFL will be implementing a ton of new rules, Specifically with regard to the conversion system with no extra points, you can now go for 1 point, 2 point, or 3 points. And of course, 3 points being the hardest because they'll uh, move the ball back to roughly the 10-yard line for a conversion. You have that, you have the return games, which are different, where they pretty much give the returner a borderline head start because they force um, every player on the kicking team to wait until the ball's in the air in order to run downfield, so there should be more room for returns. For that reason, nobody really knows what to expect in terms of the totals for the for these games, so no uh, bookmaker right now has any totals available at all, but the spread is currently five and a half. Now, talking about, first of all, since this is going to be the first episode of the XFL, we're going to be talking about Uh, I'm going to give a brief breakdown on the actual makeup of the roster, as well as the coaching staff. Now, leading the way as the head coach and the GM will be Winston Moss. If you have not heard of him, he was the assistant head coach and the linebackers coach for the Green Bay Packers from 2007 to 2018. He hasn't done anything since, but he has a lot of experience in the NFL, and he will look to uh, showcase some of his prowess Calling the plays and trying to keep the Wildcats to uh, trying to lead them to a potential playoff berth in this season. But leading the way from the offense will be quarterback Josh Johnson, who has been in the NFL since 2008 and he has played on 13 different teams. He was actually asked to rejoin the NFL, but Los Angeles did not allow him to leave because of his current contract. So he originally signed with the Wildcats, then an NFL team called. And he originally wanted to rejoin the NFL, but the Wildcats told him that 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 would be a violation of his contract. And for that reason, he will be the starting quarterback for this game. Now, the main reason why that is worth mentioning is because of the fact that he possesses a ton of dual-threat mobility, as he, in his career, had 394 rushing yards and averaged roughly 6 yards a carry. He also had 8 passing touchdowns and 14 interceptions, not a great ratio but at the same point, that was against NFL competition, so he should be able to play a lot better against weaker defensive backs. But it is worth mentioning because of the fact that since he was still wanted by NFL teams during uh, the last couple of weeks of the regular season, it is w- that I just think that's important because that does suggest that Josh Johnson might actually be the best quarterback in the entire league because he still had some interest from some active NFL teams. Something to keep in mind, nobody really knows how he will play But he is a veteran, and that is definitely an important presence to have in either the locker room or just the huddle, so you have somebody with a lot of experience. Now, leading the way in the ground game will be running back Elijah Hood, who was a seventh round pick out of North Carolina. He actually did not play in his final college game in the bowl game, as he ended up leaving school early for the draft. In terms of his NFL career, pretty non-existent, didn't do much, but he did run a 4-5-2 in the combine, and he's a pretty solid back, so he will look to imprint his name on the league, and potentially get himself back into some talks or potentially a uh, training camp spot in the NFL. Now, leading the receiving core, pretty unknown uh, commodities. You have Smallwood from Oklahoma, but one fun fact that I found was wider, the third wide receiver on the depth chart, who is Said Blacknell, actually played for Penn State. Didn't really do much in college, but his nickname is Megatron Jr. After Calvin Johnson, of course, is he even close to the talent that Calvin Johnson is? Of course not but he does have the ability to go up and get it in some jump ball situations. That's why he got the nickname in college. And based on the fact that everything might look a little bit discombobulated with it being the first actual game action, you might see Johnson try to chuck it up there, especially around the goal line, to try to get Blacknell into some one-on-one jump ball situations. So look for him to potentially get on the scoreboard. And leading the special teams will be kicker Nick Novak, who made roughly 82% of his field goal attempts in the NFL. He was actually a member of the AAF as he was the kicker for the Birmingham Iron. He was actually a very solid player in that league, but most of them know most of the people know him for his contributions on the Chargers and some other NFL rosters, and he will look to lead the Wildcats to some extra point oh well extra points don't even exist anymore. So half his kicking duties are gone, but he still will probably do the kickoffs as well as the field goal attempts, and he will look to continue making roughly four to five field goals or even higher like he did for the majority of his career. Now, before we talk about the Houston Roughnecks, breaking news, this is your public servant's announcement. After, 18 or, after more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped Engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved lawnmower 3 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Believe at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code Believe. Now, talking about the Houston Roughnecks, the uh, Los Angeles is plus six fifty to win the title according to FanDuel. According to FanDuel, the Houston Roughnecks are plus eight fifty to win the title, which is one of the bigger long shots in the entire league. Their head coach and GM will be June Jones, who was the former who was a former head coach in the CFL, in college, and in the NFL. His most recent coaching job came in the CFL as he coached the Hamilton Tiger Cats from 2017 to 2018, and he ended up going 14-14 and overall. Now, for the starting quarterback of the Roughnecks, it will be P.J. Walker or Phillip Walker, as he was known in college at Temple, as he was able to beat out Connor Cook, former Michigan State quarterback, for the starting job. I've watched Walker play in some... NFL preseason with the Indianapolis Colts. Very underwhelming. He was the quarterback, too. He got outplayed by Chad Kelly, and he looked completely lost and inaccurate as he eventually was let go by the Colts organization. Uh, leading the ground game will be D'Angelo Henderson, who has nine NFL career carries for 32 rushing yards. Started his career with the Broncos, kind of moved around, didn't do anything, and now he will be looking to, kind of similar to what happened with with uh, Elijah Hood, He'll look to try to make a name for himself in this new upstart league. Now, the wide receiver one for the Houston Roughnecks will be former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Sammy Coates. People might remember him from Auburn. He had 29 career NFL receptions and 528 receiving yards, along with two receiving touchdowns. He had issues with his hands, though. He did suffer. He did commit a lot of drops, but he does have some big play potential, and Houston will look to potentially run a a decent amount of run-and-shoot offense based on the fact that June Jones used to actually be the coach of Hawaii, and they are known for having a prolific passing attack offensively. So look for Walker with his dual-threat mobility, try to extend plays, launch the ball downfield, and Sammy Coates will most likely be the recipient of most of the big plays. Now, based on the actual breakdown so far for these two teams, even though... Uh, the Roughnecks are the huge favorite in this game at 5.5. I don't really understand the line here. If the Roughnecks are plus 8.50 to win the title and the Wildcats are plus 6.50 to win the title, that means that based on the uh, projections from oddsmakers, the LA Wildcats should be the better overall team. So I'm not really sure why Houston is favored by 5.5. It's probably due to the fact that home field might mean so much because of the fact that the both teams will look somewhat discombobulated, so the home field might actually mean a lot. But in terms of the actual, of both rosters, I have to lean to the Wildcats here to get the job done. Uh, for the prediction for the score, I like the Wildcats to win by the score of 32-29. to 29. As for the actual scores, nobody really knows if it'll be a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. You should see a decent amount of unique scoring comp, uh, you know, uh, totals based on the fact that conversions are no longer basically automatic because you have three options now for conversions. Should see some weird scores. Very good for Scorigami. but overall I think the Wildcats will win by three points, which means that I like the Wildcats to win, but I also like them to cover the five and a half. So my main play for week one of the XFL will be the Wildcats plus five and a half. Main reasons why, simply put, I just think the I just think LA has the better as a huge advantage at quarterback. Josh Johnson, very solid uh, in preseason in years past, and that's pretty much the competition he will be going up against in this league. Meanwhile, Phillip Walker, I've watched him play. I really just don't think he's that good. I watched him at Temple. He's got a lot of mobility. He's very inaccurate. Doesn't really deliver much on his passes. Doesn't have great arm strength. Doesn't have great accuracy. I think it's kind of a disaster waiting to happen. I understand why Houston did decide to go to him over Connor Cook, though, because of the fact that the offensive lines on every team might be a little bit sketchy. So I, you kind of need somebody to create extra time in the pocket and to prolong some plays. So I understand from that perspective, but I just don't think Walker's going to deliver on enough of his passes. I expect his completion percentage to be really low, and I just think that the Roughnecks will struggle a bit offensively. I think they'll be able to have some big plays, but at the end of the day, I just think Los Angeles, led by Johnson and Hood, will provide enough of a spark for the Wildcats to get the job done. So for that reason, once again, the play that I like is the Wildcats Plus Five and a half. And those are my thoughts on week one of the XFL. And once again, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite Directory, Spotify, Google Play, Citro Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. You can find me personally at Rice Shell Radio on Twitter. Once again, I want to thank everybody for joining into this installment of Betting Barry here on the Believe Podcast Network. And good luck to all of you and your respective bets today. Bye everyone.